Welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're finishing up our visit to Castle Rock. And some things happen. We're getting to it. Before we do, how was your week? My week was extremely busy. We had um, COVID outages at work. That is, people who'd been vaccinated and they... Um, were ill. They were ill as a result of their their second shot. Another one was ill from the result of taking Johnson & Johnson, which happened to me, too. And it all sort of overlapped, so we were terribly short, and we were covering the schedule at the last second. It was really exhausting. Today was probably the first day in about two weeks it's been somewhere approaching normal. And even today, you had one person we out? There was still one person out, but at least with the promise of the return of a full... Full uh, staff for tomorrow. Full staff for tomorrow, so, yeah. Yay. Just... Yeah, yeah. Never know how much it matters. I was actually having dreams about health problems I was developing as a result of having to staff. That's not healthy. Yes. <laughs> that in and of itself is not Yeah. Healthy. Having to staff without actually having people to staff with. But, yeah, it looks like it's it's over, so I'm glad for that. How was yours? Uh, it was good. Chill. I have not been doing much. You I have been not painting? been doing much. No, I've been drawing on my iPad. You wrote a story, though. I wrote a story. I did. I um, en- enlisted, enrolled. What's the word? I writing contest. I gave the money, and now okay. I have submitted, submitted a story. And it was the NYC 100. It's a microfiction contest that I had to write a 100-word story, and I did it. I forgot that I had to do it until two hours before it was due. Uh, whoops. <laughs> but I'm pretty happy with the outing. Produced. And uh, if it's in the top 15 of my group, I move on to the next round. Mm. If not, I do not. So I'll find out in the middle of July. So <laughs> I know I submitted something, and it's for relatively big stakes if you win the main prize. Mm-hmm. But I won't find out for another month yet. So it's just like a lot of hurry up and wait. I had just done their 250 words, and I made it almost to the last round, but not all the way to the last round, sadly. Uh, Cash and prizes. Thousands in cash and prizes. (laughs) First place is four grand. Wow. It's better than what I submitted to. That's pretty good. And a bunch of, uh, oh, a copy of Scrivener, which is nice, Mm. which I have. A copy of Writer's Blocks which is a writing program, a lifetime license to pro writing aid, and uh, IA Writer, which is a a writing app. Mm. Second place is $2,000 in cash and all of those things I said before. Third place is $1,000 in cash. Five hundred, two fifty, two hundred, one seventy-five, one fifty, one twenty-five, and one hundred. I expected a steeper drop, uh, like you get uh, when you're on Jeopardy, and like your first prize is you get to keep your money. Oh, your your money second at- prize is rice aroni. 
Well, they stopped doing that. They okay. they started doing, I think it was a thousand dollars. It was maybe two thousand and right. one thousand were the wow. second and okay. third prizes. But the first prize could be anything between a thousand dollars. Because if you if you've got two people who biff it, then right. uh, at, to end you know significantly more than that if you're you know James what's his face uh but yeah I'll take fourth place five hundred dollars would be pretty nice no don't think that way I have no doubt in the contest that I submitted to that I actually have the talent and the skill to win first place the issue is because my tastes are sort of antiquarian whether or not what I write appeals to whoever's yeah. judging the contest. Yep. And that's always the question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, the nice thing about the NYC mm. uh, midnight uh, competitions is you get feedback right. from like three or four judges, pro and con. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I 100% disagree with what you right. said to me. So. Thank you for that, but uh, no. I, I, I've um, actually... And I have a particular... My writing style is synesthetic <laughs> in a lot of ways. I use slant metaphors and uh, imagery that isn't typical, right? but I think makes sense, and most people reading it makes Look things make sense. To. But then, yeah, so sometimes I'll be right. like, that isn't a thing that describes that sense and yes. i'm like to you <laughs> yeah. what and um, i think i'm getting the point across so i've almost stopped re- accepting criticism altogether almost um because a lot of it is that way and you're just sort of getting people who are like you know i think i've saved some of the um the critiques i've received over time where i was taking classes and whatever and it's interesting how there are people who have negative reactions to being creative with words. Uh, yeah. When I said a person had a shrill smile, somebody wrote in very large letters, shrill, uh, people can't smile shrill. It's like, no, I don't think you're getting what I'm aiming at. It's like, they just weren't accepting that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or, that's one of the things where I'm like, you, you're you not adventurous mm-hmm. uh in language the way that I am in veterans language and I don't I am breaking a rule but I know the rule that I'm breaking so it's okay for me to do that and I had several people including one writing teacher who said that instead of writing a ghost story because in his opinion ghosts did not exist that I should make it more of a mystery because that's more acceptable Um, fiction is is fiction this is the same man who really insisted that we should all read more Raymond Carver and I'm I mean, Raven Carver is great. That's lovely, but it has no relationship to me at all. Uh, except that's for the true. fact that I occasionally um, blather on about love when I drink too much. Other than that... I was going to say, sometimes we talk about, when we talk about love, that I do love that story. Right. That is a great story. Uh, you should write, read yes. more James Salter as well. Uh, He's a very good short story writer. Who is the other writer that people are... Infinite Jest... What is the uh, David Foster Wallace. Yes. There is a contingent of people who are trying to force me to read David Foster Wallace. I very much enjoy David Foster Wallace, uh-huh. but I also understand that he is a taste. He is a, also a mood. I can't just... I've never read Infinite Jest. Mm. I've only read his essays. Right. Um, 
I own Infinite Chess. I own it both digitally and analog. Uh, but I have not brought myself to bring to to read it yet. So, mm. and I and I still consider myself a fan of his writing. It's I have fine. not completed House of Leaves. Well, it's a project. It's well, more also, than just I, a book. I honestly feel that I'm too old for it. I, I it is very much like a text. When you're a college student, you go back and read the notes and flip forward and backward and forward and back, back backward. I don't mind <clears> that. <throat> a digital copy will help because you can just... That was the nice thing. Like, I just got a digital copy of a mm-hmm. book, and there's an asterisk, and I poked it, and then it gave me the footnote, and then I poked it, and it went away, and I was like, great. I think um, my other issue with it was that the same thing that we had with Twin Peaks, which is there was a dozen characters, and there's two stories that are really compelling it's, to me. Yeah, I wish... I don't care about. I, I actually think that a good edit to The House mm-hmm. of Leaves would be to separate it into three different books. Right. And let me just read the Davidson Manor or yeah. whatever it is, the the haunted house story. I don't need the two um frame narratives that are going on yeah. in it. I just want to read the house part. <laughs> That's the scary good part. That's the part that I care about. The sort of meta, the the, the oh. people criticizing the films found in the closet and the Davidson, not Davidson. Um, <laughs> I just don't want to. I don't want. Don't hurt me. Nobody's right. adding me. That's fine. But like, I I, I realize I, uh, an error and I wanted to correct it. Yeah, it's there's a lot, and the narrator yeah. for some of it is not your jam. I already well, know that he's that's not your jam. The reason why I think horror works really well with novellas. That's where it's most successful, because switching from narrator to narrator, whereas a novella tends to have a single narrator, um, and you're informed by a single experience, that tends to work a little bit better. Because even Dracula, you're sort of waiting for a good part a lot of the time. Oh, I like multiple narrators, but it's it's hard for the writer, because he's got to do, or they've got to do, multiple distinct voices, Mm -hmm. which is difficult, because really... It's the writer's voice. It's always the writer's voice. So, uh, yes. And one of my, the thing that I'm going to recommend later is going to be a a book thing. I've always thought of it as easier in a lot of ways. Because when you get bored, you can just continue with something else. It's like, I'm not going to get challenged by writing this. You can if you're a person who can write multiple voices. Some people cannot. And the narrator is always the narrator of all of their books because that is the only voice that they can write in. Which is, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Justin Cronin does a nice job. That's the other thing. You don't have to have multiple people or you don't have to stick to only multiple people. You could also have multiple timelines. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, do you want to get into this book? Let's get into the episode. Oh, yeah, episode. These aren't books. No. These were never books. Never books. We're cheating because this is not an adaptation. This is fully made up. Fully made I up. I like how it involves elements of stories that we already know. Yes. So characters there are callbacks to things that we're already familiar but with. But they're also doing nice things with the with the casting mm. of the 
of the show and the right. films of the adaptations. Like they're taking both from the written work and the yeah and the film adaptation and the film adaptation sort of like and what film Doctor and... Sleep did yeah. Um, I think and I guess when we go through it, I really I have a lot to say about episode twenty, but. We have episode 19. You mean episode 9 and 10. Cause, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it's of Castle Rock, right. so that's technically right. Yes. But, okay. So, episode 9 is called Not Carpe Diem. Caveat Emptor. Caveat Emptor. Which uh, Pop had said during his wake. Mm-hmm. So, we know it means buyer beware. And I thought for a little bit that this was going to be... I, it's kind of a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Pop, who we last saw running for his life from the town as they were, from the statue and the town as they were being, uh... Mesmerized. Uh, um, and we see him running up the street, and then we pick up where, where he went. And we're going to see uh, Nadia and Abdi as well, who we haven't seen in a little while. Uh, and they all, well, Pop we see at... The Emporium Galorium. I'm going to miss saying it. I love it so much. And he is reading some letters. And those letters are to Alan Pangborn from uh, Warden Warden Dale Lacey. Mm -hmm. So I had thought that he had read them previously, but I guess he decided he needed to read them now. I'm unsure why. I don't. I'm not sure of the thread narratively why he decided that that was an important thing for him to do. It was, it turns it out, an important thing for him to do. the relationship between the pictures that were painted or the illustrations inside the Marsden house. But he didn't like, see those. He, I think he did. I, again. That's the thing. Like, it's really, him. it's an odd thing. Mm-hmm. We know that it, it, it is important. And Augustine is searching down for this information and he has consumed this information, but we're not really given a good reason why he decided he needed to do that. Um, right at the beginning of this episode, we do see Francis Conroy, uh, who we have not seen since the last season. That is uh, Lacey's widow. And she... I don't even think that they actually brought her in. I think they were using footage from last season because she is basically in a reflection and then she is murdered. Well, oh, she no. does have a she scene. She does have where a she scene. To she does, that's true. Um, and she is inhabited mm-hmm. um, and can see now. Right. Which is an interesting little um, thing that they don't spend a lot of time on, but they're like, you know, I'm getting used to it. They're talking to this, the being inside of her, the, the, the mm-hmm. soul inside of her. Uh, and I understand that this vessel was blind. And Augustine says, yes, a small gift to whatever of her is left. Mm. So they know that there's... Which it's, means he's got Ace in the back of his head just yelling motherfucker at him constantly, right? Like, Yeah, um, because uh, Pop later on describes it that yeah. way with his... Yeah. In heaven, there's a Frenchman screaming at him. Screaming at yeah. Which means I, I presume that Ace is back there raising right. holy hell, right? Unless he was gone enough by the time they got into his body. I don't know what the time length I on a soul is. Well, yeah, it seems like there, there's a consciousness that resides there, and these beings essentially push the consciousness mm-hmm. of their host, these parasites, 
yeah. very far back in the back of their yeah. brain, and it gets released or hampered by the use of certain drugs. Yes. Yeah. Or some mental states, maybe. Yes. So she says, you know, I don't know anything. Augustine is still trying to find the, the angel. He's mm-hmm. trying to find the kid from last season who disappeared in a puff of clothes. <laughs> and we don't know where he is in this timeline. And, uh, spoiler alert, we're never going to know. Well, I like the fact that I was right. About? Well, last season. Oh, last season, season how right. he wasn't the, yeah. He wasn't the kid because there was that. I mean, that, he was the kid, but well, no, what no, the kid is. He was not is. this person who claimed to be an innocent bystander mm. who was pulled into our universe. It's like, no, he fully was what... Uh, what Lacey thought he was. Right, exactly. Um, and he says, you know, I. she says, you know, I don't know anything. And I was like, I don't think she knows anything. And I was like, yeah, she doesn't know anything. But he wrote a bunch of letters to his friend Alan Pangborn, which means Alan knew way the fuck more mm. than he let on. Never let on. Uh, and... Those are now with the person who collects things, and that's Pop mm-hmm. at the Emporium Galorium. And then we see him. He has read them. Uh, he goes to the hospital. Pop goes to the hospital and, and finds Nadia um, and Chris. So there's a little bit of a mourning over Chris. He finds Nadia crying over his body, which is upsetting, and Pop is sad and carries yeah. him out. Because uh, he was the, he was the good one of the family, <laughs> and uh, they are driving back to the Emporium Glorium when they are almost accosted by Ch- Chance mm-hmm. on a motorcycle, just saying, "It's I'm not one of them, but they're coming, and we gotta go." Yeah, uh, and she gets in the in the truck with them at which point I was like you're going to want to bring the motorcycle because she's on a motorcycle bring the motorcycle you might need more maneuverability right. than this which does in fact happen to be the case because the they are uh, set upon and uh, they are their tires are shot out right but that's what we were discussing uh, at the time it's like well you sacrifice maneuverability mm, for the safety of the for now the other guy has a gun yes, and he's going to be shooting he's going right. to put a bullet in me um, and then they are uh, so rescued again by Opti uh-huh. driving a big truck, and then they all end up the the four of them end up going to the Emporium Glorium, at which point Pop like pushes a button and then shunk <laughs> these big metal plates come down outside, right. and he's like, "Let's hash this out so we can figure out how we're gonna like get through this." Let's live long enough to hash this out, I think is what he said. Uh, and there, um, the powers cut, they're surrounded. But we should mention first that Annie is hiding. Well, I, I was about oh, okay, to. I'm sorry. They are surrounded and the power is cut and they hear a noise from inside and they go down. There, there's a. An alarm goes off and pops like there's someone in the basement because mm-hmm. he's got the whole place rigged with explosives and alarmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he knows which alarm is going off. And they go down there and find Annie, Jamal, who is a nurse. I believe he's also Somali. He might be. But he's a nurse yeah. at the hospital. And 
Like three other people? Two other people? I believe it was just one other person, which was a woman who ran out of the bar when okay. everything went to hell. She just saw, yeah, the, there's stories. I think there's two. And her story is that she was in the bar, and his story was that he was in the hospital. And people just sort of cleared out and were and called right. like a right. Pied Piper. To the right, station. which is what we know had happened mm-hmm. because of that uh, not one for this world patient that Nadia didn't trade right. Chris for. And Annie is like, uh, I definitely killed Ace. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely killed him. And Pop's like, yeah, I believe it. And also, yeah, he probably fucking deserved it. Uh, And then they're sort of looking at each other like, are one of you a spy? Is one of you a spy? And at at that point, Pop notices that Jamal, well, he used to have a diamond stud in his ear and now doesn't even have a piercing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they're like... Because that's a, that's a symbol of the possession also, is the fact blindness goes away, yeah. illness goes away. There's, there's a healing right. property. And yeah. so the, the, the stud's gone and the ear is completely healed. Yes, yeah. And they, he then attacks Pop, proving them that he is the infiltrator. Mm -hmm. So they tie him up and they're interrogating him and he won't give any answers. Um, There's some hell doll because Nadia smart and brought some with her. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, well, let's give him some and sort of force Jamal up to let him, let us know what the other one is thinking or saying. There's just some vague, vague threats about like tomorrow at dusk, she returns. It's me. It's me. They're talking about. And then, there's a radio call from outside that's Augustine urging Pop to hand over the letters. Pop informs him that I burned the letters, but I, I read them and then I burned them. And I'm like, well, why did you tell him that you read them? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. And then they start putting together a plan to escape from the mob using a half an hour long train. So apparently when Nadia and, and, uh, Abdi were small, and probably Chris too. They would play a game that was really just them running from Ace mm-hmm. and crossing the train tracks right before the train came, which came every night. It's a right. regular train. And the train is so long that they had a half an hour before Ace would be able to cross, which is a long motherfucking train. And I'm like, if that train is still as long as it was in, you know, 20 mm. years ago, I will be extremely surprised. Well, 10 years ago. moving freight to every, that was the only thing I could think of. It of, must be. And goods and food, whatever, to every part of the state or. It must be. And, and maybe it is cheaper to do it that way and, mm. and the train would still be as long. Right. But I would think interstate shipping, you know. With, with trucks and stuff would have taken some of that. But you're paying for gas for individual... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't um, know. Trucks. Uh, but that's going to be their plan, is they're going to race. They know when this thing comes, and they're mm-hmm. going to race right across and cross right before and then give themselves time to get away. Yeah. And they won't know where they're going. And uh, meanwhile, Annie is uh, trying to get Jamal to tell them tell her where Joy is and what they're going to do to Joy and what's up with Joy. She's very 
focused Mm -hmm. on joy. (laughs) She says joy a lot in this episode. (laughs) And, you know, she says, I have put down quite a few of your brothers and sisters tonight, so maybe that carries some weight. But he, you know, gets mouthy with her and doesn't respond. And so she takes two syringes and jams them in his eyes, which definitely kills him. Right. So well, she not only jams them in his eyes, she, she pushes also plunges. plunges like, them. Why yeah. would you do that? It's like that's a total waste. It it's it's a lot. Yeah. They're like, well, now we're not going to get any answers out of them. Thanks a lot. But Annie is like hallucinating still. She has not had her meds. She doesn't have. She's any still hearing the voice of right. her mom she saying to cleanse her. Any of this, and so she's just ridiculously focused, and it creates an interesting counterpoint to the other people who are making intelligent plans to survive. It this episode reminded me a lot of the George Romero's movie *Night of the Living Dead*. It's a group of people; they're desperate. They're in a situation where they're making on-the-fly decisions, and those plans aren't working out. Yeah, Pop's plans could totally work, right? And so could uh, Nadia's plans. So, what is Pop's plan like? They're surrounded by explosives. Mm-hmm. The the Emporium is surrounded by explosives and then also full of explosives, right. like portable explosives. Uh, so they're gonna they're planning on blowing up the Morrison house, right? Mm-hmm. Or the statue at the, the very st- least. Thinking that that's gonna end this mes- mesmers. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, kill as many of the The followers as possible. The follower yeah, but not even the followers. Yeah. The actual like possessed because well, they're the yes, ones that the are followers, the people who are leading the cult, the members of the cult who have revived. Yes, and as it turns out, his his plot is actually really clever. He's not a book smart guy, but he's a survival smart. guy. I mean, I would argue that. I mean, I don't know what book smart, quote unquote, would even mean. I don't know that he's not book smart. Right. I do know that he runs a small criminal Enterprise. empire. <laughs> In in a small town, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's not you know he's yeah. not a mafia don, but he's got he he knows what it takes to survive. He has the military experience, and like right. I said, he runs I, I think the that's, town. That's fairly what what um, that's what serves him the best here is the fact that he is kind of swift on his feet, and these 400-year-old people are a little slow to catch on to the advantages that he has in terms of right. technology and right. yeah, how to manipulate things. Right. And they've come back in a fairly in, in a small town mm-hmm. that doesn't have a lot of... Like, if they come back in New York, the likelihood that they would catch on to some of the technological things that were happening around them is probably higher because the people that they inhabited would probably right. be more um, online mm-hmm. than people in rural Maine right. are. Not to say that they aren't online, but I doubt that they are in the same ways that like professionals in New York City are mm-hmm. or professionals in any major met- metropolitan area are. Uh, that would be my guess. But like... I don't know how online Ace as a, you know, little, uh, uh, as a baby gangster and tow truck operator is, you know, <laughs> like, right. he understands the internet, but he's not He understands enough to look up. Yeah. Um, oh, what's Annie. her face? Yeah. yeah. 
and yeah, and surf their Wi-Fi. So rude. Um, so we've got a bunch of people who are looking at Annie like, well, she's a fucking liability. Yes, she and she's so sing- like she's so single-minded. Let me mm. remind you, that her one line in this whole episode is joy, 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 joy. The word didn't mean anything by the end of the episode, and. Uh, oh, Augustine says something to Pop that is rough uh, along the lines of, you didn't have any children and still f- managed to fuck up four of them. <laughs> and I'm like, that's true. And also, damn, that's fucking savage. <laughs> I was just like, oh. And Pop's like, yeah. Well, that's kind <laughs> that of... That is um, correct. It goes back to... Uh... <laughs> The Exorcist, I think, is what it reminded me of. The notion that the demon is always is never going to play fair with you. Yeah. So it sits there knowing that other people are listening to this conversation having with Pop. goes on about how Pop used to beat uh, Ace yeah. when he was a kid. Yes, yeah. And it's like it's trying to humiliate him, trying to find a weakness. Yeah. And what he doesn't realize is that Pop is doing the same thing to him. Yes. And also, like, rile me. Mm-hmm. I am surrounded by explosives, motherfucker, and He's I am happy died. to... Yes, I have literally nothing right. to lose. I will go out in a blaze of glory. Right. I'm not... And so, yeah, Augustine is giving him no outs, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, it's, a rabbit it, an, or like a trapped animal uh-huh. is not... If anything, it's doing the opposite of what Augustine wants it yeah. to do, which is it's provoking him more. Provo- right, exactly. And he is having these moments of doubt where he's talking to... Abdi and uh, Nadia about fucking them up, as Augustine put it. But at the same time, that doesn't rattle him enough to where it takes him off course. Yeah. Yeah. And so they um, they try and sort of escape via the tunnels? Or how yeah. are they getting out? Yeah. Through the, through the basement. And Augustine's men are starting to come through. And yes, typical action hero or action movie rules apply wherein... They are terrible shots, but our heroes can fire pretty well. They lose the one woman. Her name was Evelyn. Mm-hmm. So they do lose someone, but our our protagonists remain largely well, unhurt. Also well, lost Jerome. I mean... Jamal. Jamal, I'm sorry. It's okay. He can't see. Well, they didn't lose him. <laughs> and he killed him. Yes. That, that wasn't... Well, no, it wasn't like, him, oops, I can't killed, find it. You know, I don't know. Hugo he was Jamal was already was. dead. That's yes. the thing. Like we do want to keep in mind that Jamal, as we knew him, um, you know, earringed and whatever. You know, it's really odd. Um, I saw the sequel to Halloween last week because I really. You mean Halloween two? Yes, I... <laughs> a very original title. Well, there's like a dozen. So Halloween two and. I enjoyed it, but I was looking at reviews at the time, and there's a scene where an actress, Anna Alicia, who later on went on to be big at nighttime soaps, where she gets stabbed in the, because it takes place in the hospital, yeah. gets stabbed in the eye with a syringe, uh, and at the time, 1978, whatever. I think it was probably 1980? Maybe. Because I think the first one came out in 79. But the reviewers were just disgusted by seeing... 
Oh my God! Oh, they, they, they definitely wasn't 1984 yet because yeah. uh, April Fool's Day really does some things with some eyeballs. But the idea of the syringe in the eyeball was like the most disgusting thing anybody had seen, and that shows you how we were soft people back then. <laughs> that we actually get the full two plungers in the face here, and it's like, oh, that was gross. But let's move on quickly. As the episode um, closes, we see Nadia and Abdi and Annie successfully crossing the tracks and her radioing back to Pop to let them know that they're safe and to get out of there. But Pop was never going to leave. And Augustine is in the building at this point. So we see Pop, I believe, smoke some weed. Mm -hmm. And then... Is he is unable to explode the building mm-hmm. and is shot in the head by Augustine, which is this is the head or fucking rude. Yeah, shoots okay. him in the head. Uh, yeah, he shoots him in the forehead. It's real rude, and that is the end of the episode. So we move right into the finale. The finale. It's called Clean. Remember two episodes? Mm-hmm. It was called Dirty. So this one is different than that. Annie is hallucinating. Uh, the townspeople are of both the Salem's Lot and Castle Rock are all gathered around the angel and Augustine transforms and apparently the transformation is much faster now than it was Mm -hmm. earlier transforms Pop uh, into uh, some person named Etienne which is one of my I really like that name and Etienne is like weirdly passive aggressive (laughs) so Etienne is like I see the wisdom in you giving me this broke ass body that you've given me (laughs) just like was Etienne was like Augustine's like romantic rival or something like that's what it feels like he's like you gave me this disease riddled old body and that's fucked up in the old days a 19 year old Adonis um, but he's just like I see your wisdom and I'm like "Mm." (laughs) he mad but that's fine and he, he in that way gets the information Mm-hmm. That was in the letters, which really wasn't much other than, yes, it was the angel and that Castle Lake is a mm, dimensional doorway. Yeah, dimensional doorway. There you go. And it's, I guess, the whole last lake, which mm-hmm. is wild. And and something about the sound, the schisma, right. which the, he was like, yes, that's the sound of the angel. And I'm like, okay. Or it's the sound of the dimensional doorway, which I think is probably more more likely. And sadly, we'll never know. I'm just, I'm looking at this review and they seem to think that the angel is one entity and the alternate version of Henry Deaver is another Mm -hmm. entity. And I'm like, I think this is the same entity. Although it is entirely uh, possible that in a multiverse, there's multiple things that look like this. But I think the one that we were talking mm -hmm. to, well, because at the very end, there is that weird scene where. The the boy, right, uh, in season one, yeah. has that weird rant at the end that confuses Henry Deaver the going, kid, wait, yeah, yeah. this isn't, this does not sound like a person who... No, and then all of a sudden kid. his face says, Mer. Right, so... He has Mert face <laughs> for just a second. He a monster. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Nadia and Abdi mm-hmm. and Chance and Annie. And 
Nadia and Abdi are going to go to the tunnels beneath the Marston house and rig a bunch of explosives. Good plan. Annie and Chance are going to go try and save Joy. 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 She does it with this flat... Anyway. Uh, and... Stupid Vera. The same one who narked out Joy to Rita. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, uh, sees Chance and points at her and starts yelling her, yelling at her as no. Yelling at her, no, no, no. And then everybody points at her and yells no, no, no. And she's smart. She It doesn't take her too long to point back at Vera. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they could be pointing at right. Like either one of them could have started. But... The stupid well, sheriff's deputy sees yeah. her and grabs her, and I hate it. it it's just like the, the the need to be a narc runs very, very, very deep. It's yes. Like it's inside of her, even beneath the evil. Yes. And so Chance is taken, and Annie is also taken. And Avdi and Nadia are making their way out, and they're talking about, like, even if she doesn't get her, we have to blow this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want to. But we can't just not for the sake of one. Like, that's not that's not a thing that's going to work. We find out that Pop, Pop reach out, reaches out to Nadia on the radio, and he had shot himself full of Haldol right before he got shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like, yeah, I hear that this French asshole is yelling in the back of my head. And I, it's not, I'm not going to be able to fight it for very long, so I'm fixing to, you know go out in yeah. a fucking blaze of glory again. I already was going to do that. Now I'm really going to do it though this time for reals though. And, uh, there's some interesting backs and forces between Nadia and pop in these episodes where pop is trying to apologize. And she's like, Nope, she's not having any of it. I'm going to first, she starts with at the beginning, I'm going to move away and I'm never going to think of you again. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a nice thought, but there's no way that's true. You will, in fact, think of him uh, a lot for a while. You need some therapy to to get to that point. Uh, and then, but like he keeps trying to apologize or or explain, and she's like, Mm-mm, "You're not going to get vindicated. You're not going to get absolution. That's not a thing mm-hmm. we're going to do. We're not. I I don't have any for you. I have no forgiveness here. So." Keep it moving. And it happens like three or four times over these two episodes. And she never wavers. Not even at the end. <laughs> She's just like, fuck you. You killed my mom. And then and then that was the other thing. That was they, there was one between him and Abdi. And Abdi's like, why did you bring us here? And he's like, to give you a better life. And Abdi looks around <laughs> this <laughs> this explosive-laden building surrounded by zombies, and he's like, that fucking really worked out. <laughs> like, good job. Uh, look look where I am now. And uh, so uh, Nadia and Abdi trigger the explosives, mm-hmm. and as... And the, and the... What? There is a moment right before where Annie rats them out. Once they're captured. Oh, she does. She, when she's captured, she basically is like, they're going to try and blow everything right. up. Um, they're, they're in the tunnels. Because she even, just wants to get to Joy. Right. That's all they, that she's thinking that of. Was, there's a lot of moments when you lose 
sympathy. There's like a scale for Annie where you have some sympathy for her, but as the story progresses, you I feel like they're just letting all the air out of her until you realize in the end that she's just horrible. She's not a good person. Um, not a good person. And at that point when she rats them out because she's so focused, it does not matter if every uh, other joy. person joy. is possessed. She wants her stolen sister, half sister, yes, back. Her daughter, her sister, her daughter, <laughs> her sister. But um, uh, yeah, that whole God, she she just becomes. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, you were like, what? <laughs> like, like, Shut up. Uh, and the angel, like the statue, explodes, mm-hmm. breaking everybody out of, of the, the right. trance. The people who were possessed are still possessed. And at that point, Joy in her wedding gown, wedding gown and wreath of flowers in her stabs Augustine, stabs Ace okay. in the back. And then Annie shows up and, and gets her out of there. Uh, Nadia does cry over Pop's death. So, mm-hmm. see, you are going to think of him. And... Then the angel, then we go kind of have this weird flashback to Amity and the angel on the mm-hmm. hill ago, 400 yeah. years ago, and he disappears from the cliff. And then there's a commercial break, and we paused it because somebody needed to go get something, and there were still 20 minutes left. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And so then there is this. Second climax and a denouement, I would say. So Annie and Joy take the fuck off and leave. They uh, end up in Canada. We're not sure where, but it's definitely Canada. And she gets a job in a house with a bedbound patient Mm -hmm. where she's going to be the nurse there. And so they each have a, a room. Excuse me. And it's almost like it's just their house because this patient is bedbound. She starts reading to Joy, who's still sort of within herself, at which point it's like, is this Joy? Did the transition happen? There's a lot of questions. Um, Annie's looking at her art, her sketch pad, and finds a lot of very abstract, weird drawings. Yes. Uh, She's also watching, she's watching Blue's Blue's The Warmest warmest Color, color. which is in French. Right. But I'm like, I don't think she's watching it for the French. I think she's watching it because she's a lesbian and is watching lesbian things. Right. She wants to know how far it is to Montreal, which is a French-speaking area. Uh, She's not really talking to her. Uh, Annie does find misery. She finds... uh, she starts reading Misery's Promise or whatever mm-hmm. the first Misery book is to Joy. And she's speaking to people on the phone. And then when Annie asks who she was talking to, she's like, nobody. Uh, Annie's also not taking her medication regularly. She's still got her mom in her head going, "She's you've got mm-hmm. to cleanse her. You have to do that. You have to kill her. It's what I try to do and you have to do it now rude and yeah she finds she goes through through joy's belongings finds drawings of the angel and then she offers joy some ice cream her you know murder weapon of choice 
but she has crushed up some drugs into it, some pills into her, it, and she has like a weird reaction. She's like, it tastes funny. And he goes, she, and Annie says, because I put some medicine in it because you're not you. And then she takes her out to the, they're, they're on a lake. She takes Mm -hmm. her out to the, they go out to the dock and uh, Annie drowns joy. But then Annie goes back to the house and realize, realizes that that was her crazy. Right. She finds a Dear John letter that Joy has written That's right. She's about needing to get away because obviously there's, on top of the fact, Joy's not speaking to her because Joy's a teenager. Joy yes. also found out that she's not her mom. Right. Joy also killed her mom. Joy yes. also killed another guy, a French right. guy who's already dead. Right. And, and she was, was going to be a vessel where she was for, hypnotized. Yes. She's, yes, been raised by a murderer right. who has been posing as her mom her whole life. Like, Joy's like, got some shit to well, work she out. She fell off a diving board into hell. There's right. like so never she, got So she Joy. writes this. That's right. She writes this whole letter to Annie. Uh-huh. That's like, I hope that I come back one day, but I need to get emancipated, and I need to fucking figure some shit out. Like, right. and I can't do that here with you fucking hovering over me right. all of the time. Like, I need some space. And so Annie runs back down to the dock, heaves her out of the water, gives her mouth to mouth, and then. <gasps> She comes back awake. And then, let the river run. <laughs> and there is this beautiful montage of them, like, traveling and eating ice cream and going to a Paul Sheldon book uh, reading. And they're so excited to be there and be together. And Joy says that as much as Annie does. When we see a man come and say, is the, is the seat taken? And Annie's like, of course it is. And she apologizes to Joy. And, of course, she's looking up. And, and Joy says, "He, we have to get him to dedicate a book to you. And she goes, of course he will. I'm his number one fan. And, of course, we pan back. And there is nobody sitting next to her. Because she definitely did kill Joy in the water. Or something. I, I, I think it was Joy... Judging from the letter. I think it was probably Joy. And what she was reading as possession Although, was just trauma. It also could have been Amity back right. using Joy's memories. But we never saw Joy be killed. Right. She was only mesmered. So I'm hopeful that she was, there was... Well, it doesn't of, matter. Now she's dead. Right. The moment that the hold was broken in the statue, her first move is to murder Augustine. Which also seems unlikely if it was Amity. Right. Um, but here's my issues with this final episode. Is that I don't know what happened to any of the other characters. Yeah, you don't. I, I, I would like... A, I have been with Abdi I would like an Abdi and Nadia. And Nadia. Uh, not to mention Chase. This chance. Enti- chance. Excuse me. This entire time. And, you know, we get on the other side of the tracks, and then we're safe. Who? And then the story becomes... Well, and then they explode everything. Right. They explode everything. But other than that, like, what happens? The the town went crazy. Is anyone going to acknowledge that? How are they going to explain this to the outside world? Blah, blah, blah. What happens to these people afterwards? What happens to Nadia and Abdi? So um, it just felt like, yes, we went in this one direction, and... I just felt like, and maybe since there was at one point an idea for a season three, 
that that was going to be incorporated into it. Um, but yeah, it was just sort of disappointing that I didn't find out anything about what happened to those. Yeah, characters. what happened to them? And that that yeah, that feels rude. Because I was invested in what happened to them. Yeah. I would even like mm-hmm. a, a news clipping or something right, of what something happened in, them, yeah. which they kind of did do in the first season. Like, well, they kind of do it a little bit once they get over to Canada. There's some sort of peripheral mention of it, but it doesn't mention, you know, these characters. Those specific characters, right. yeah. Yeah. But I feel no. very sorry for Joy because Joy catches no breaks. No, never not one. Just like her mom. She was doomed when she was a baby. Right. As soon as she got took. Uh, yeah. But that's the end. Yeah. And then in 30 years, we'll watch Misery. <laughs> that's the other thing. This is multiverse, right? So this right. is not the same Annie Wilkes, really, because it's now. Mm-hmm. It's 2019. And that book takes place in the mid-80s. Uh, she, I think... Uh, she really comes into her Kathy Bates characterization right. in these episodes. She's good the whole time. Yes, she is. But her stiff, the way that she moves in these two episodes and speaks to that flat affect, that flat, um, not it's, affect, it's, but flat, uh, like, her voice, accents that she's yeah, got. Her voice gets more plain, plaintive and bleating. Yes. And Midwestern. She flans all of her vowels out um, in a way that she doesn't do as much at the beginning, which is really interesting, uh, and really is embodying uh, Kathy Bates by the end of it, which was pretty pretty rad. Yeah, everything seems to be delivered in this kind of... um, somewhere between sort of this kind of whine and this kind of shout. It's pitchy, dog. Right. And it was just great. <laughs> and also, I was commenting with a, a roommate, her body language, Yeah, she walks a lot. Like she's her, very stiff. Like, her like upper she's, body is uh, almost frozen yeah. in movement. And the only thing moving is her hair because she kind of glumps. Like her spine side. doesn't right. give. And her arms are just sort of flat against her. It's a really interesting physicality to the character. Yeah. Um... And it tells you that something's kind of off with her, yeah. even if the rest of the behavior doesn't in the beginning. Right. But yeah, she, her performance is amazing here. Yeah, she's very, very, very good. And to the point where you don't have, as I said, by the end of it, I had no sympathy for her at all. No, you were because, just like, well... Yeah, she's just evil. I don't think even like a, an evil with a with a plan or a purpose. She's just sort of... She doesn't ever... For a person who is so black and white about good people and bad people, yes. she never realizes that she would she's be... The ba- she's the bad... You're the bad worst. one, though. Um, and that she also doesn't have... Uh, and also her issue about lying, she lies constantly. Constantly. She doesn't ever about tell... literally everything. Right, <laughs> things that she doesn't need to lie about, she lies about it. But uh, but yeah, it's a hell of a, everyone was really good here. Yeah, everyone was really really. I good. appreciated that they had Somali actors playing Somali parts. Mm-hmm. I thought that, I think that that's always good. But overall, I'm sad that they mm. aren't doing a third season of this show. I was too because I, I think there's some. You still want to see Jane Levy as the I in a shining situation? It would be really fun to see her character come back. Uh, it would be really fun to see Abdi and Nadia come back. If I had my dream season, that would be fun. 
watching whatever. But I guess once you blow up Castle Rock and Jerusalem's lot, it's well, hard to have a show set they there blow again. Up Castle Rock, they blew up the they Bunsen blew up. house. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's it's true. like, yeah, there's plenty of room to keep going. It's like, well, we, we sure blew the share out of that other town, but look, Castle Rock's still intact. What kind of. And I would love to see. I, I mean, we had finished watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Yes. Um, and I liked how the the blip, which is never treated with a great deal of detail in the Marvel movies, I mean, it can't be really, because uh, that would take up too much time, becomes a central point of that miniseries. We're talking about how do you repatriate people? Are people going to respect um, boundaries and borders now that they've actually moved into other countries? And are those people going... So there's a whole detailed question about how people will survive when a billion people suddenly show up again that were taken out of the picture. And I would love to see some of that for how do these people account for losing an entire day at um Yeah, at more than that rate. even, right. I think. It might be two days. Right? It's like two days because when they're outside of Pops, uh-huh. that's the day before. Right. Um, so it's like, mm, like, uh, I would guess that the, the, the parade was probably in the morning. Parades are typically mm-hmm. in the morning, right? And then, so like 10 a.m., say, they all gather around the, or say noon. Mm-hmm. Say it's noon when they get to the church and they look at the statue. That night is when they go to the Emporium Gloria and do the show down there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it's it would be the, the next, next day. day because it's supposed to be dusk the next day that Amity makes, re- her, return. makes her return, right? Yeah, so uh, how would you account for that going forward? How, what story do they tell themselves? And that was, if you had ended the the season with some of that, that would be really interesting, but it doesn't, you know. Yeah, but they because they started with those two, they had to end with those two. Yeah. And I get that, but also end your season of Castle Rock in Castle Rock. Yeah. You yeah, ended it in Canada. Well, I, we don't even know where cuz they were on a road trip. Oh, that's right. That's right. After And going to a, a book reading. So book we don't reading. know where yeah, it actually ended cuz that's the last scene. Uh I wish I wish also they had shown a Paul Sheldon like show me who you got. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Give me a give me a weird younger version of James Caan, like aged down, pulled from a Godfather movie or something. That would be funny. <laughs> so I don't know if I like the second season better than the first season. I did. I might because I think the two episodes of the flashbacks, both to Annie's childhood and to the the Amity's time Mm -hmm. filled in the time that I thought was extra Mm -hmm. and fluff in the first season. Like, I feel like it, it filled its 10 episodes better than the first season um, had moments of being slow. There were weird things with the characters that we couldn't figure out. Like why two of them hook up and then no one discusses it at all for the entire rest of the, the season. Um, there's some things that I appreciate. Well, because there are larger things going on. <laughs> right, but then why even bother doing it? Um, I also think that the the story had a bigger scope and there was a lot going on. I was much more involved with the characters this time. 
And because you were including outsiders like Abdi, and then Nadia has this whole story with her, you know, not quite brother that she has a romantic interest in. And there's a scene in... Not at all, brother. Let's be clear. <laughs> well, no. Yeah, but they're raised together as a family. They are raised together, but... And so there is um, these flashback scenes that she has about him that were kind of touching, even though they were we were rushing from one thing to the other. It's like there was more than enough plot to cover this this particular set of ten episodes. Yes. And there was a lot of action, and they milked a lot of it really well. Like, they got all sorts of adventure and all sorts of interaction and all sorts of... Uh, but just great, like, good drama out of the situation. Yeah, Tim Robbins was he very was, yeah, good. All of them were really good. I know you're not a huge fan. I am a huge oh, fan. Oh, no, I didn't say I wasn't. I, it's just, I, um, he really, he's playing a part that I don't see him play. And that's what made his performance here interesting, because this is a character that we, I don't see him do. He, um... Yeah, and there were really uh, the, the scene where he goes back to Shawshank was a really fun kind of. You should see the movie. Hold on, I'm not Arlington Road. If you liked his performance here, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it in a lot of years, but I mm. remember really liking it. It's Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins, 1999. Joan Cusack and Hope Davis as well, and I remember really enjoying it. And he is. A little more erudite than this character is, mm-hmm. but similar in nature, I would mm-hmm. argue. Uh, I Now I want to watch that again. So that's one of my recommendations, Arlington Road. A movie I haven't seen in two decades, so don't hold me accountable for it. I'm pretty sure I saw it in college. I know I saw it with Corey. So... Uh, so what we're going to do next week and for the following four weeks is we're going to watch The Outsider, which was on HBO. Uh, it is a an adaptation of a novella. Mm, novel? Is The Outsider a novel or novella? Let me see. How many words is it? it was I don't the... know. I'm not yeah. holding it. No, I know. I'm just... That, that's it's a novel. It's a novel. It's a novel, and it has um, a character that we will have seen before in a very different form, mm-hmm. and that character is one Holly, whose last name I can't remember. Gibney. Gibney. Played by Cynthia Riva this time, mm-hmm. so she will look different. Uh, and it is a supernatural thing as opposed to what Mr. Mercedes was mm-hmm. doing, which has supernatural, supernatural things. Yeah. Because we're still having trouble with getting season three of Mr. Mercedes yes, in a yeah. in a format that I can we can watch. So uh, we're gonna not stress about it right now and just go straight to the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna watch episodes one and two next week. It, I believe it is a ten part series. Let me double check. Yep, ten episodes. So we're gonna watch the first two episodes next week, uh, and then, as I said, two episodes a week. For the following uh, five weeks. Mm. And then I believe we're probably going to go right on to the stand. 
Unless we can get Mr. Mercedes to work. Uh, stand. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel. We're going to love it. We're going to do it. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have no... I have, I've read nothing, I literally have, nothing I've about it. I've myself a yeah. tabula rasa. I have no conceptions about it whatsoever. Yeah, same. So, hopefully, we will like it, but we will tell you if we do or don't mm. when we talk about it in a month and a half or so. Uh... Until then, do you have anything you would like to recommend? Yes. I uh, I saw a movie this weekend. We, I actually um, stayed in this weekend. Usually I'm out a lot more. And we watched a film called Shadow in the Cloud, which I've been wanting to see for a little while. Yeah, we did. Uh, which is a 2020 film uh, from New Zealand. And it starred... I can't... I realize now that I can't say too much about it without giving it away. Yeah. No. Um, it's uh it's a movie you kind of want to just go um ex- go in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. It's a It technically is a science fiction film. It's a it's a it's a war film and a science fiction film. Right. It's a war. And it's a World War Two science fiction film. Right. It's it's not like it is like Overlords, but not like Overlords. It's, it's directed by Roseanne Lang, who's a um, a director of working from New Zealand. It has a lot of Hong Kong sensibilities. The music itself seems to be a reference to John Carpenter's work in the eighties. It has the a, music is a John Carpenter score. It's great. I'm it's, like, did John Carpenter do the score to this movie? I know he's dead, but still, is he dead? Didn't John Carpenter die? Or am I getting him mixed up with Wes Craven? Wes Craven's dead. I know Wes Craven is dead. Yeah. Yo, sorry, John Carpenter is not dead. So did he do the fucking? Music to this thing. Uh, This was intended as some kind of homage to his work. Um, And again, having just seen Halloween 2, yeah, it it brought up a lot of funny memories, but there are some really outrageous action scenes in this film. There's a lot, it takes place almost entirely on a bomber in a very kind of claustrophobic space. Yes, it's also like, I will say, watch it, look at it, but it is. Especially for the first half, mm-hmm. is almost like an audio drama. Yeah, there's some interesting directorial choices. Um, and also, if you look it up and you see Max Landis's name on it, don't take it too seriously. He came up with the idea and wrote a script that is very almost almost non-existent in the right. final work. The director, uh, she rewrote it, she said twice, they worked with some other people mm-hmm. and rewrote it twice, and that's why they share a screenplay credit, but um, the problematic <laughs> uh, original author is not a great deal of what he did survive, aside from the, the, the situation. But you really liked it. I enjoyed it, yes. Uh, it's also super short. It's like it's 83 minutes what long. What an action movie should be, which is... It's over before you start questioning how implausible half of it is. It is dark uh-huh. because it is on a bomber, so I would recommend not watching it in the straight light of day if you're at home. It's it also, it's a pity that I didn't get to see this on the big screen because I have a funny feeling there's a lot of audience 
um, participation in this movie. There's one scene in particular where she literally rolls up her sleeve to get something done, and I can see that being like really popular in the crowd. Yeah, but uh, but it I is... think it would be hard to watch in a in a in a setting like that though because so much of it is her listening right. in over an an intercom, and I think you would lose some That's of like that. A, it's altogether it's like a tenor of less than fifteen minutes, but more than ten, I think maybe minute segment of the film where it's just her listening to these really horrible voices. And I can understand why the director did it, because there's a, a really strong... Given that it's written by Max Landis, that makes it even funnier. Or it was originally written by Max Landis. This really strong feminist um, kind of a hero. Yeah. And it's not even in subtext. It's in your face. Yeah. Uh, to it. And so it... Uh, yeah, that, that scene where these, these male voices saying really horrible things to her, it... About her, not about even to her. her and yeah. You're right. It, it's actually, it works really well. But yeah, I understand it's, there's some very odd choices here. Because once she gets out of the confines of being in this space, um, then suddenly you're in this wild situation where, you know... Again, then I, things don't stop, yeah. Right, and yeah. then it doesn't stop. So actually, yeah, I really appreciated it. And I really appreciated probably the final image of that movie the most, but um, but yeah, I'll leave that up to the audience if they want to see it. Ha, and it's available on Hulu. Yes. So do you have a recommendation? Um, I do. I'm going to recommend the movie we watched right before that, which was okay. uh, Those Who Would Wish Me Dead, which is the new Angelina Jolie firefighter movie. I, I'm seeing people in the Flophouse group refer to it as Cliffhanger with Fire, and I'm like, yeah, that seems right. Uh, but don't don't look for plot in this movie because it's only about 60% of the plot of a movie. There is 100% MacGuffin. There is knowledge that is known and must be contained, and we don't know what that knowledge is, right. who it's about, what it's for. We don't know any of that. It doesn't matter, I guess. Uh, and it, you know, it all takes place in, what, like 24 hours? It takes place in really Maybe 48 hours, time. yeah. Um... Yeah, and it's but the kid in it is really good. The uh, the the fire is beautiful. The way that they did the effects mm, is yes. so impressive. Um, I don't know. I like watching Angelina Jolie run run through things. Like that's a there's that's a, a genre of film I enjoy watching. Um, there's a scene involving lightning. Yes. Yeah. That I immediately uh, yeah. wondered if. <laughs> Uh, some of my associates in Montana actually, it's like, is this something that actually happens? Do people run across fields getting struck by lightning? I it's, mean, I'm sure. I hope to God they don't. That looked terrifying. It was, yeah, it was scary. Right. Uh, and it's not very long either. It's like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. So we watched those back to back the other day and uh, it was a good girl power situation yeah. uh, that I enjoyed. And the other thing that I want to recommend is either a podcast or a book, dealer's choice, or you can get an audio book, which is a third option, not just the first option I said, but for money. And that is John Green's The Anthropocene Reviewed. Uh, I have downloaded the book, and I have read the foreword and the first essay. It is a book of essays, personal essays, uh, and reviews of various things in the human world. The first thing that he wrote about 
The first essay is about the song You Never Walk Alone from Carousel. And I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I don't know how much of, so there's a 35, there's 35 episodes of the podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much is overlap with the book, if any. Um, and then I know that the book and the audio book have, are largely the same, but Mm -hmm. he played to the mediums with a couple of the essays where they are, they are in the written one, but not in the audio book and vice versa. Um, I find these essays to be um, soul-soothing and inspirational. Oh, okay. His his writing is quite beautiful. Uh, I've liked, you know, his fiction, and I'm intrigued by his nonfiction. And uh, so that is what I recommend. It came out Tuesday, which is the day we're recording. So it's out and available for you. And he did sign 250,000 leafs. Uh, so you can find a first edition copy with his signature, I'm sure. And somebody, um, some nerd fighters, no doubt, uh, got the anthropocenereviewed.com. And you can now go and see where he, because he was talking about how once the book is out in the world, it goes to places where he'll, he'll never go. Mm-hmm. Like his words and his book will go to places and have experiences that he would never have. You can go on to this website and see where people are with their copy of the book. And those places are rated by those people. Like you really? can rate the place on a scale of uh, one to five stars, which is the whole of the premise of the book where he rates like literally anything and everything. On a one to five star. It's very scale. strange. So uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I was maybe going to binge it, but then I read the first two and I or the the intro and the first one, and I was like, and now you sit with that for a little while and you walk away. So mm. I will be going back to it later today, probably unless I go to sleep, which is also a possibility. It's a healthier possibility. Who knows? But that's what I recommend. Next week, we're going to watch The Outsiders. Join us on HBO. You all know you've been trying to get, or you've been meaning to get HBO Max. Now's the time. Right. Dive in to the first two episodes of The Outsider, and we will meet back here next week to discuss. That's your homework. Until then, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook Den of Iniquity and Maybe by searching for Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Until next week, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you better, better late than never. never.